0: Well then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as Pastor Werner very accurately said this morning, it is Rally Day, and Rally Day is that time of year every year where we celebrate education. We rededicate our Sunday school leaders, our Bible study leaders, our FLS staff And it is a time, though, for those of us who are not being rededicated to also reflect on the importance of our education. And I think that all of us, as we grow older, we all realize that education is a lifelong adventure. It's not just for when you're a kid or when you're in college. You always have to be learning. And as a staff, we're doing this every Tuesday morning as we get together for our staff meeting. We begin by studying something together. We have been looking at various books of the Bible, but now we're doing some topic studies. Recently, due to the evil in the world and even the evil that we see in our own church, we started studying the problem of evil. And after doing some research, I found that the best book that explains the is The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis you probably recognize, and if you don't, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, so The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, these are written by C.S. Lewis. But C.S. Lewis, I think, is best best explained as a, a Christian philosopher. He takes the question and pulls it apart and looks at it from every single angle possible, but especially he is trying to answer the question of why. Why pain? Why evil? Why trouble? Why hurting? Part of this, though, we reflected on this past Tuesday when we met, is on the fall of man and how this problem has been so problematic. So if you open up your Bibles to the very front of the book, you know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created this wonderful paradise where he placed all of these things, but especially as we focus... He placed man and woman. He also placed this big old tree there called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, all right, Adam and Eve, look at all this stuff. You've got all this stuff that you can enjoy, but that one tree, just leave it alone. Okay, simple, right? But yet Satan, as a wily serpent, comes to Adam and Eve and says it's not a bad looking tree, right? I mean, looks pretty tasty. Looks a little bit better than everything else. Eve, of course, responds to him, no, God told us not to, not to touch it, right? To which Satan responds, did God really say? Notice though, especially throughout scripture, who Satan is. You know, we all often think of him as this big terrifying monster or uh, a guy with, uh, you know, uh, horns and a pitchfork and some other caricature, or whatever, right? But really, Satan's a liar. That's all he is. And all he's doing here is to twist the words of God to say, did God really say? And that little thing right there caused us to fall. The, the problem of the fall is not just the fact that they took the fruit and ate of it; it's greater than that. That plus all of these other things, but especially as we talked about on this past Tuesday, it is the problem of independence as well. And even when we're little, we we try, we want to be independent, right? I've heard some parents describe those first steps that a child takes as the first steps of independence. The stereotype of every teenager is that they are fiercely independent. Leave me alone, I'll take care of it, I'll do it myself. Right? And then the expectation is once the children grow old enough, they then leave home and become independent. They're not to rely on mom and dad anymore, you've got to support yourself. But the question I really want us to think about now is, are we ever really independent? As in the most holy way possible, let's set God off to the side and think about this as a person who is going to prepare dinner for themselves. They leave their home, they get in their car, they drive to the gas station, fill up the tank, they drive over to hy V, they get their groceries, they pay for the groceries, they then take it home and cook it, Right? That one person has done it by themselves, and really many people would look at them and say that they are independent. But the fact of the matter is that they are not. Independence is a lie. We are truly dependent every step of the way because the person depends on the builders to build a safe and secure home. Depends on the car manufacturers to build a safe and secure car. Depends on the car specifically on that day to work as it's supposed to work. Going and filling up their tank of gas, they are depending on the oil companies, the, then the gas companies to actually then be able to fill up their gas tank. They're dependent on the supply chain for high so that there are actually groceries. They're then dependent on their jobs so that they can have money to buy groceries. And then when they come home, they're, they're dependent on the various companies supplying power, oil, gas, whatever it might be for their current setup to then be able to cook dinner. And I think also many of us realize that we're also dependent on so many other things to just know how to cook. Sin fools us. It tells us a lie, and it's the same lie, that you can do this on your own, that you don't need anybody else. And even when we, remember, when we decide that we want God in our lives, we think that we can earn our way up to him. That we can do all of these works and, and make the step in the right direction, that we can pray hard enough, that we can give enough money, that we can help enough people, that finally when that day comes, God will look at us and say, yeah, you're good, you can come on in. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's never enough. And we can't do things on our own. Even when we perfectly avoid sin, we take a perfect righteous step in the right direction by avoiding some temptation, we fall two steps back as we fall into sin that we didn't even realize we were sinning. You're supposed to uh, avoid doing the wrong things and go after doing the right things, but those right things are inconvenient You avoid going out and helping people, somebody maybe stuck on the side of the road because it would inconvenience you or it would just be hard for you or the whole situation is just awkward. I'm just uncomfortable. But then we also have these realizations that we can't do it on our own, that we try to be better and we can't be better. This is the purpose of confession is that we stop and acknowledge that we can't do it. And as we describe in Lutheran theology and as we look at in Scripture, this is the purpose of the law. The law crushes us and moves us to see and understand that we can't do it by ourselves. And as Jesus himself expands upon the law in the Sermon on the Mount, we see that the law has, has further reaches because we look at Moses when he gives us the law and says, yeah, I haven't murdered, so I'm good. But Jesus then turns it and says, yeah, but have you hated? Because then you're guilty. I may not have committed adultery, but I have lusted. I may not, have been, may not be guilty of theft, but I have been greedy and I've been selfish with my gifts and with my possessions. What is to be done? Even when we try to do good, we just fail. But interestingly enough, God uses this to show us mercy. We see mercy take on human form as we see Christ come to us. And as we read throughout the Gospels, he loves like no other, he lives like no other, he heals like no other. And especially as we are looking at today, he saves like no other. He dies in our place, taking on that guilt of sin and removing its curse. He rises from the grave to bring us life, paving that path to eternity with God. He is the way that brings us to holiness. And the purpose for gathering in worship is to constantly acknowledge this, to know it and to receive it. Pastor Werner has declared you forgiven of your sins. You will receive God's very body and blood in the fellowship of this table for the forgiveness of your sins. And as I continually say it, there are crosses everywhere you look because this is where we see the forgiveness of our sins. That is the purpose for us gathering together as we see God's mercy, we rejoice in God's mercy, we gather together, not independent, but together as brothers and sisters to thank God that he has done it for us, and that we would live. And so what does this have to do with education? But it's the newness of life that we now live. That as we gather together and confess, what did we say? We said, change us and make us new. And God is doing this through his very Holy Spirit, this promised helper who is there walking right by your side so that God and his gifts would be made known. And it happens through education. You know, we might not be teaching like a math lesson, but God still reveals all of his truths to us, especially in this place. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is working to bring this knowledge about. And the Holy Spirit is wild and moves unhindered throughout our world, calling us to God's truth. There in our highest highs, he's there in our lowest lows, so that we would know God, that we would know his love, that we would know how we can't do it on our own, but that how God does it for us and that we can depend on him. And so that's where we come to our theme of trust. Proverbs reminds us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, that we should not lean on our own understanding. Trusting in God moves us from this lie, from this false mentality that we can do it on our own and helps us to see that we need to depend on God for everything. That he is the one who has provided everything. Leaning on him and on his understanding instead of our own helps us to take away the worries of life's life so that we can just live. That we can just be. Be. Then, no longer am I worried about trying to fix all these things, but now I can just live this life that God has given me to live. And this trust and this understanding that we have in Him just helps us be upheld through the good times, through the bad times, through whatever else. And as God has called us out of our own selfishness and out of that lie of independence, We are then called now to this path that we walk as God's children where we then grow in our own faith and call others to faith. The Holy Spirit actually then works through us, us broken individuals. God is working in us so that we can show the world that there is so much love, that there is so much that God is giving you know, and this is kind of what John is talking about today. He, he says it kind of confusingly as he's going, God is this, God is that, we are this, and, and it's, it's this kind of weird combination. But what he's trying to show us is that by God giving of himself to us, it now brings us into this wonderful and mysterious union with him and with one another. As then, in his love that he has given to us, it's even perfected in us. And then we can trust in Him and trust in His love and have full confidence in Him. And as John said, there's no fear. There's no fear in this. Fear has to do with punishment. And we know that that's, that's a thing of the past because Christ has taken that for us. We know of God only as love, not as this stern dictator, but as this loving provider, as this loving Father who gives us all that we need. And because of all that, there is no fear, there is love, there is trust. So what I want you to walk away thinking today is about where you need to grow in this. If you're doubting, call on God to show himself to you because he wants to be known by you. He wants you to see how you are to depend on him. And he wants you to see just how much he is willing to give you. Especially as we look to the cross, we see that he's willing to give of his own son. And if you're trying to do it on your own, just see how impossible it is. How there's no possible way you can do it on your own. But that God partners with you as you join in the church, as we are in fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters, to then be able to just live. And then finally, for those of you who know of all these things, now it's your job to start sharing this, to educate others. You might be a Bible study leader. You might be a Sunday school teacher. You might just be a mom and dad. You might just be a brother, sister, friend. The relationship doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is that you are doing what God has given you to do, which is to show his love that he so freely shows to the world. Because through His Holy Spirit, He has chosen to work through you so that all might know God's loving care for them. Amen? Amen? Amen.